a very good morning to you. I trust that uh, the blessings that come with days like this one will be your experience during this season. Now, during Carol's by candlelight, uh, the agreement was Mrs. Vienna is not here. Uh, but when she comes back, don't tell her. The agreement was that we sing the three of us, her sister and her brother, me. Uh, but then she, she left me out, so I complained. I think it's yesterday, I was planning to sing today. And then I saw Peter and Mrs. Luwika come. So I said, look, why are we competing? Let me just let them sing. Uh, so I am geared to sing when somebody else won't sing. You know, some of us are giftation, is singing. Uh, so while we, uh, you just cut me short, next time uh, we will come first. But we are grateful for your ministry. Matthew and chapter 1, concluding as we reflect on the birth of a being that was described by the Sunday School Ministry, not just an ordinary being, but an extraordinary one, a king, a savior of the world. Reflecting on that question, have we made this our savior? Let's reflect on one who, although she was the mother physically or a vessel through whom he came, lessons from this particular woman. As you read the story in Matthew chapter 1, the first four women are all referred to as Old Testament women. They are all Old Testament saints that lived at a certain time. Mary is the only woman mentioned who actually not only lived during the time of Christ, but who, as it were, birthed the Savior into this world. And it is only fitting that we conclude with lessons from the mother of Jesus, as John would clearly put it, and I trust we know what that means when we say Mary is the mother of Jesus. Please notice that the scriptures never say Mary the mother of God. Uh, it's Mary the mother of Jesus with an emphasis on his physical uh, descent into this world. And it's lessons from that mother of Jesus. Chapter 2 of Matthew. I was saying chapter 1, uh, but chapter 2. Actually, chapter 1, verse 1. To 11. What I'd like us to do is to read the closing verses. Okay, my iPad was giving me a wrong sermon. I was wondering which one was this one. Matthew chapter 1 verse 12 to 16. Matthew chapter 1 verse 12 to 16. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetiel, and Shetiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud or Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Ezor, 
Ezor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, Eliezer the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. Emphasis really this Christmas is relevant lessons, particularly as these lessons are to do with the women who are part of the lineage, who are included in that genealogy list as part and parcel of God's plan recorded for us even as we reflect on the savior of the world. What are the lessons from this woman that are important for us to learn? The first of those lessons is a very clear and explicit one. She was a virtuous woman. She was a virtuous woman, that is, she was morally upright. She can rightly be described as a righteous woman. She can rightly be described as a godly woman. She can be described as a holy woman of God. And we will get to see those descriptions, particularly from Luke, who spends much detail in telling us a little more about this woman the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 28 and 34, we read in terms of how she is described. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 38, we read, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. And part of the questions that was troubling for her was how she could conceive even when she was a virgin. Mary lived at a time like this one. Like this one in the sense of she was confronted with the same moral choices that a young lady of today would be confronted with. She had the same feelings as young ladies of her time and today had and have. She had the same pressures from the young men during that time and today. But when she's being approached and she's being described generally as a young lady, she's described as a virgin, even in that context, even in that culture, even in that setting where immorality was the day practice, she stood out 
as morally upright sexually. She was a morally upright woman. Other than Ruth, that of the other women that we considered in the Old Testament, they would not so much be described as morally upright. They had scandals in their closets. Mary did not have. Others have gone as far as to say, even Ruth, she got married to the man she got married to by skimming, but that really was a cultural thing, but nothing would be leveled against this young lady to taint her morality. She was a virgin. But notice, secondly, in the same context of being a virgin, she was in a relationship. She was in courtship. She had a fiancé or a fiancé. Many times people that are in courtship today, probably if you ask them the question, are you relating sexually pure? I can almost guarantee by being no prophet at all that the majority of them would not be relating purely sexually. So even when you come up here, that is part of my emphasis on veiling, is not so much you probably veiling what is pure, it's simply veiling to know who you are married. COVID it was matters of purity, if we are to get into their history before they met you, and when you met, are you sure they are? So strictly speaking, the white wedding dress in our time does not necessarily symbolize purity. Because many a young lady getting married are not necessarily pure. I'm not saying those who have married here, I'm saying many a young lady, please don't say Pastor said. Many a young lady, not this one. So that even when Joseph gets to hear about it, he's very clear he knows he's not responsible. That if there is anyone responsible, it's not him, but because of how he's related to her, he's not going to disgrace her because he knows that whatever may have happened is not in keeping with who she, are, she is. She was a righteous, godly, morally upright young lady. So was the husband-to-be. They were an upright, godly couple. They were upright, godly, young people. They were probably not in their 30s yet. They were young. They were still in their youth. And even with the passions of youth, she was a virtuous woman. If a letter was written about you, if history was recorded for you, your Christian journey, what would be written about you? Would it be said that you're virtuous? Would it be said that you're morally upright? Would it be said that you're sexually pure? Would it be said that you are godly? Well, as we celebrate Christmas this year, may I say to us that the mother 
that God used to bring the Savior as a gift to us was a righteous, godly, upright woman. So the language even of the angels, she's not necessarily favored because she's righteous, but surely God is looking at a worthy vessel through which vessel to bring his son to earth. He's going to include all types of women and men, but in this particular sense, he's going to pick on one. There would be no mistakes. He's going to pick on one where no one can actually say, we have evidence. We found her under the tree. It was raining, but they were there at 23 hours. We're not sure what they were doing, but we saw them. And it's during that month that we noticed something changed. Not with this woman. She was a virtuous woman. But secondly, notice that one of her virtues or characteristics is that she believed God's word unreservedly. She believed God's word unreservedly. Chapter 1, verse 8 of Luke, and that's where we are. The description is detailed there. Verse 38 of chapter 1, but let's pick up from 35. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in our old age is, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now what the angel is saying to Mary are impossibilities. What the angel is saying to Mary is placing her in a situation where she will be scandalized. What the angel is saying to Mary is going to dent her life for the rest of her life. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? No one will believe it. This has never happened. Can you please say a little more? How do I get to understand this? And it is to that question that the angel explains. And it is to that explanation that Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Let it be done according to what you have said. Let this be according to what God has said. Remember that as you read Zechariah's story, He's a priest, he's on duty, some information is given to him. And his response is, give me a sign. You know, I will not believe you unless there is a sign. 
In other words, Mary does much better than the priest. Mary does not say, look, I question you. Give me something to prove it. Oh, Mary says, let it be according to your word. By the way, she did better than Abraham. When Abraham was told during this time, your wife, Abraham is thinking, okay, this doesn't sound right. So when the wife comes and says, you didn't hear him properly. He meant this one. Runs alone. Zechariah, like Abraham, when he received the angelic announcement, requested a confirming sign. However, Zechariah should have simply believed the angel's announcement and God-given thanks for it. Instead, he asked for some verification of the promise, probably a sign. The angel gave him one, but it cost Zechariah inconvenience and embarrassment for nine months. Nine. Why is the man not speaking? No, we don't know what God told him. He was in the room, then he came out. When he explained later, then they were able to, oh, that's the reason. Why did you question him? Why? I, I, okay. It was an embarrassment. Not with this woman. Let it be according to your word. Notice, beloved, this is authentic, verified word of God. This is not some guesswork. This is not Mr. Lama standing up and looking in the roof and saying, I have a word. No, 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 that's not the one. That's subjective. That can be questioned. This is God speaking directly through an angel. This is not some mystical transcendental experience. This is objective communication. Mary, this is what God has said. This is what will happen. I hear you. Let it be done according to your word. Not any other person's words. Yours. Mary believed and submitted to God's word even with the possibility of a character dent for her life. And by the way, that's a tag that Jesus carried for all his life on earth. That there were people that looked at him and would basically insult him. Remember the story when he's talking about father, father, and said, now wait a minute, we know who our father is. We know that's our father implication. Well, can you tell us who your father? Because we know it's not Joseph, so we're not sure. You are some son that was conceived in some sinful way. We just don't have the evidence would have stoned your mother to death. That's what Mary is saying. Let it be done according to your word. Mary would bear the Messiah, but her premarital pregnancy would bring misunderstanding and shame on her for the rest of her life. I've always, in reading this story, asked myself, if this happened in our time, would I have been among those who would have believed the story? 
Now this young lady from Mundola Baptist um, is, is pregnant, uh, but don't worry Pastor Rama, it's the work of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I would be saying, let me just go and pray again. Uh, God, can you, is it true? Uh, come, come, come. This is where counseling gets intense. It's okay to tell the truth. The Lord forgives. Uh, if you hide your sin, it will be, you will be, can you tell me? We are just the two of us. Just tell me. The point will not be to make us say the truth. The point will be to make me satisfy my curiosity. So that even as many times would happen, people after they've been asked, is it not you? And they answer, no, it's not me, no. And the longer they say, then they realize, look, the question will not stop. Let me tell them what they want. It's me. You see, we knew. It's you. Now that's why, you know, that exactly. Even when they say, the reason I said it was because, look, I was tired of the same question. But here is a woman that as it were would risk everything, literally everything, her reputation, her family ties, her marriage, and marriage was a big deal in the Jewish culture. This was a source of huge identity. But in response to the word of God, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The posting, I think it's Andrew that did post that one, that we live at a time when men of us, we are asked, do you believe in the Bible? The answer will be yes. I, I, um, who doesn't? I, mean, I, I am a Baptist. Oh, I am Presbyterian. I am Pentecostal. I believe in the word. Do you believe that the Bible is enough? Of course, we do. The difficulty comes when it comes to practice. Many of us fall short. At that point, we say to the angel, I do believe you. Can you find someone else? I know this is the word of God, but I'm not sure it will actually work out as you've said it. I don't think you've considered the consequences for me in society. Well, as we celebrate Christmas, one of the lessons Mary brings us, she's giving birth to the son in a manger, in a stinky, untied place. She is doing this because she has obeyed. Let this be done according to your word, unreservedly. The question is simply this. Are you obedient to God's word? Are you obedient to it unreservedly? Are you obedient to the scriptures, irrespective of the cost? To a young lady, some young man says to you, I would like to marry you, but look, how can I know that you love me unless you prove it? Are you able to say, I won't prove it. If you want, you can go your way. I love you, uh, but if you want it proved, other than me buying you ice cream, uh, you need other proof? 
uh, thank you very much, I won't give it to you. Will you be that young lady that would say, I will obey the scriptures rather than please you? Will you be that lady? Will you be that young man that will say to a young lady, you, you don't even respond, are you a man? And then you want to prove you are. Will you be that young man? How faithful are you to God's word? This Christmas, please resolve to be like the mother of Jesus, unreservedly obedient, unreservedly obedient to God's word. Thirdly, it was a woman who studiously pondered or contemplated on God's word. She did not just respond to it unreservedly, but she seriously, she sincerely, she diligently, as a student of the scriptures, she reflected on the word of God. Luke chapter 1 verse 29. And then we'll go to chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Chapter 2, verse 29, beginning... Chapter 1, verse 29, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and he tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Startled, puzzled, but the puzzle is not so much of a negative attitude, it's a puzzle that says stop and think and understand. So you read in the text, and tried to discern, tried to understand. She's processing this greeting. This is not usual. This is not common. This is an angel. And she's saying, okay, there is something more to this greeting. Chapter 2. Verse 18. Chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. But let's pick up at verse 15 of chapter 2. All I'm stating that one lesson learned from Mary is to be studious. Students. Be students. To be learners. People who reflect, study, and think on the word of God. Verse 15 of chapter 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, a shepherd said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. 
and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She's thinking, what gritty? Seeking to discern what it is. The wise people come and they say all oh, that has been revealed to them and she's treasuring them. They are of value. But she's pondering them. She's not just once continuously thinking about what the angels, what the wise people have said to her. The woman was studiously pondered or contemplated on God's word. We live at a time when many of us, we are in a desert, there is a drought. The scriptures, we read them at church, when we're given to do something, we don't think, we don't ponder, we don't reflect. We don't treasure the Bible. We treasure something else. Mary, the mother of Jesus, surely if she is to be the right mother to raise the son properly with the husband, she must treasure the world. That's what the son would need. That's what the son would be instructed in so that as you read at the end of that section, you will be told then he grew in stature and wisdom. Where how did he grow in stature was provided for by the parents. How did he grow in wisdom and favor with men? He was properly trained by the parents. In the word, the scriptures. This Christmas, please resolve. Be like the mother of Jesus. Love the scriptures. Ponder on the scriptures diligently process. Look, look at why does this version say this if you have three versions? Why not this way? What's the implication here? What other sources can I go to? That's not only for pastors and elders. It's for every Christian. Theology is not just for pastors. Theology is for every single Christian. Read the hard books. John Owen. Old English. The death of death in the death, even the death. And you're thinking, oh, okay, what are you saying? Read them. Stretch your mind. Push yourself to extremes. That's what we do in life. That's what we must do. The scriptures. This is a woman. Even a special appeal to women, I'm not sure who said to us, we must not be invested or be grounded in the world. Challenge your husband when he's being a heretic. Tell him if I'm the head of the family, I know that that's the reason I'm correcting you. She pondered. She reflected. She processed these things. What, what does this mean? How do I respond to this? How do I apply this? This is lofty speech. Again, I think that statistically it's true that women tend to be most gullible. 
if you do statistics, do a research, they will tend to do the most. Literally. My language is strong, deliberately so. Crazy things. Then while in Mungu, talking to a man who's in a transition theologically, and he would say, look, we knew on a Sunday who we will give the most when we manipulated the church. That if you succeed to manipulate women, you will have the biggest planting of the seed. Why? Surely we must say, yes, this sounds nice, but I'm not sure it aligns with the scriptures. Not sure it aligns. That was Mary. Oh, by the way, when you read the other two sisters, Martha and Bea, one is commended exactly for this. Not that one is disproved, but do both. Provide hospitality, do the cooking, but also when moments of studying the scriptures come, be there and wrestle with the texts. Ponder. Think deeply. Don't be content with what the author to the Hebrews will say, the elementary things of the faith. So we need to pass. They are important, they are basic, they are absolutely significant, but we don't end there. Or immaturity in the Bible is not commended. No one in the Bible is said, well done because you don't know the scriptures. Ignorance is rebuked. Mary pondered. Mary pondered. She was a woman who studiously pondered or contemplated on God's word. And when she was convinced this was God's word, oh, she responded unreservedly. Fourth lesson, together with the husband, they were a religious couple. And I mean religious in the right sense. They were a godly couple. Chapter 1, verse 21 of Luke. Chapter 1, verse 21 of Luke. Verse 19, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you be silent. This is to Zechariah. And the emphasis is, here is the priest and his response, and that there is a sense in which he's discredited. And as you go to verse 24, after these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. When Mary and Joseph are instructed, you do not have even the slightest of doubt from the two of them. So that when Mary is greeted by Elizabeth, there is a joyous and she worships God. But one of the things you read as you read this story is that they did everything commanded in the law to be done for the son. 
So when time came to take the son to the temple for circumcision, they took him. The blessing, they took him. When a census was called, they obeyed, but they obeyed because they were good citizens. So that at 12 years old, Jesus Christ is the master theologian, confounding those that have been for all ages. But their religiousness, their righteousness is seen that when Joseph is taught, don't let your wife go. This is of God. He's going to stand by his wife to be. He's going to stand and identify and be disgraced with her. They were a religious couple. This Christmas, my question to couples is simply this. Are you? Would you be described as godly people? Biblically religious people? A people that obey God's religion as commanded to us. Mary was a virtuous woman. Are you? She believed God's word unreservedly. Do you? She is a woman who studiously pondered or contemplated on God's word. Do you? Together with the husband, she was a religious woman. Are you? Lastly, she was an extraordinarily woman of faith. She was an extraordinarily woman of faith. And that is where John chapter 1 comes in. Chapter 2 of John. And in chapter 2, there is the story of the wine. There's a story of the wine, and the mother of Jesus demonstrates extraordinary faith, but it's informed faith. It is faith that is well aware of who the Son is. Chapter 2, verse 1 On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now just pause here, and we paused and asked this question in the Bible study with the youth. Just pause here, we are the wedding. God willing, there should be a wedding in May. And then drinks run out. If my mother was alive, she comes to me and say, I'm a drinks here. Uh, I'll look at my mother and say, okay, uh, so what? <laughs> you know, you don't know this is, <laughs> you should be going to us a piece of uh, grace. This is, why are you asking me? The drinks are finished, so what? Mary and the son were invited guests. So she walks around and she's told, they have no wine. So he comes to the son. They have no wine. Now when mothers speak like that, when Mrs. Lungwebungu comes home with his son, by the way, you should do this one day, they come to my home, and they go to the kitchen, check where we put millimil, there's no millimil, and she goes to the son. Did you hear what I said when I said, Piso, come home? She goes to the son and says, 
What is she saying to the son? But mommy, eh, quickly. Because she knows the son has ability. That's what she's doing. How does she know the son? She's lived with him at this point probably 30 years. This is publicly manifesting his glory and the mother is going to be involved. I, I always imagine this. She's coming with those vitengas and I said, she's a mother. They, they don't kind of say, no, you see my son now, because, no, 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 uh, there's no wine. Uh, she even turns and said, no, I'm going to have a wine. And the son says to the mother, Jesus said to her, woman, an idea woman, what does this have to do with me? Notice mothers again. Notice Mary. She's a typical mother. There is nothing supernatural about her being a mother. Here is a response. The son says, my hour has not come. But what does Mary say? His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Whatever he tells you. Now, Jesus has already said, what has this got to do with me? My time has not come. In other words, I am not supposed to be doing this. And the mother, <laughs> she basically said, he will tell you something. I know him, he will tell you something. Mothers do this. The, the son may be the sister. She goes to the brother, says, my shoes are finished. And the brother says, but who told you I'm the bank? You hope you are not even intelligent. The mother says, don't worry, shoes will come tomorrow. They know. That's what Mary's doing. What has this got to do with me? My time has not yet come. She turns and looks to the servant and says, do what he... And what does Jesus do? Mother has spoken. Where are the, how many jars do you have? And the mother is looking at She's a woman of extraordinary faith. She believes in the abilities of the son, the willingness of the son to deal with the situation and deal with it effectively. And when the wine is done, Maybe when they are going home, she's smiling and even whistling, Twenty Jesus. She, she's overjoyed. Well, here is my request to you. That request from Mary applies to us. We must do what Jesus says. Do what he says. Listen to what he says. When he says, how many pots do you have of water empty? Fill them. You, you don't ask what for. Just fill them. And when you are told, read the story, one of the servants is told, well, get a cup there, take it to the owner. The servant has not tested as far as he's concerned. This is water. But then what Jesus has said, and the mother said, do what he tells you. She has spent with the son. She knows the son. She believes in the son. She knows who he is. He's not just an ordinary son. 
is the son who is able to do that which is needed. When there is no wine, he has no wine-making facilities, but the mother knows he has ability. This is the one that we are celebrating birth today. It's a savior when you are needy. You can go to and say you are able. It's the savior who we must say to others, do whatever he tells you to do. Because with this one, nothing is impossible. Again, in the Sunday school language, he's not just an ordinary son. He's the savior of the world. Do you study and obey his word? Do you have faith in this son? Can it be said of you that you are religious, you are righteous because you've trusted him? Can it be said of you that you're holy because you truly know he's forgiven your sins? Unless that's how you celebrate Christmas, you will have missed the point. May I beg you, let us learn from Mary as we celebrate Christmas today. Amen.